Hi, and welcome to another episode of Seeking Sustainability Live, a podcast from Hiroshima, Japan. I'm your host, JJ Walsh, or some people call me Joy. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Professor Heidi Imai, who is focused on back alleys in Japan. And the cultural significance and traditions of these small places between houses, which actually have been building community. She talks a lot here about preserving this aspect of traditional Japan, even in modern suburbs and cities. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks again for joining us. Have the pleasure of talking with Professor Heidi Mai, based in Tokyo, and she is doing a variety of research projects and interviews with local people talking about back streets and alleyways. One of my favorite ways to discover a new city anywhere in the world, but especially in Japan. So, I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining, Heidi. Thank you much for,、uh, for the invitation. It's great to have you here. I, I don't think we will have enough time to talk about all your research. You've written a number of books, a number of wonderful articles.、Um, hopefully, we can get the conversation started and then have、mm-hmm. you back again in the future for the next conversation.、Right. Is that, that would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. Uh, can you give us a little self introduction before we start? Yes. So,、uh, originally, I'm trained、uh, architect, have practiced several years、uh, in different countries, and then I thought, okay, something is missing. I think more input, academic or not, is there. So, I was searching for some kind of,、um, you know, perspective to come from the、uh, other side. So, I Joined, I think, Oxford、uh, Brookes University for cultural studies, and I discovered that there are so many cultural aspects of cities which are really interesting, but I don't know much about. And of course, traveling, my other huge passion,、uh, brought me to Japan. I started to learn Japanese, and then, of course, discovering Japanese cities, including my first place was Kyoto, and then、uh, Tokyo later. That what is that secret between that gap spaces and that really traditional small scale? Versus this large, you know, large scale and modernity. And that was so fascinating, kind of lost in translation, learning the language that I really thought there's so much to see that my curiosity was sparked to really go deeper. And I, yeah, I'm still here. I'm doing that 15 years later. I still do that. So it's expanded from, let's say, That leftover spaces, logies, the alleyways into much more sustainable thinking of how to preserve vernacular spaces. And I think that's very important because、um, Japan has kind of taken over that American approach of urban planning that everything should be planable and,、um, you know, rigid、uh, in size. So, I think some, some really local wisdom is, is already lost. So, what can we preserve? How can we preserve it? Yeah. 
Um, it's so important to think about these questions and like we said before we started, to also communicate with local people and one of the things that I really love about your research is all mm -hmm. the interviews that you're doing with local people mm -hmm. and following over time when there is a revitalization project in place, how mm -hmm. do they feel about it going in, how do they feel about it over time. These, these are studies that there's just not enough of and yes. we need mm -hmm. more so that we can apply these best practices to other parts of Japan or even Asia or even the world, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I think the biggest problem is that um, you, you impl implement something and uh, make a plan for them whether they like it or you know they ask for it. Anyways, plans are happening and then often communities don't follow up, was it a success or was it a failure? And uh, what does it mean? Failure is also acceptable, but maybe we shouldn't repeat failures or accept that as also a part of a result and just say, okay, here maybe DIY architecture is a better approach. Yeah, so people by themselves start to create something. And I think you have some two interesting pictures here. I mean, the one is uh, on the bottom, uh, maybe just to explain that to some people are bigger institutions of creativity, which are, uh, you know, trying to use uh, leftover rooms. These are two schools at the top. The other is also uh, um, underground space at the, um, at the train, train station. And I think uh, very practical, of course, tighter crews can say we don't need much rent. So rents are very reasonable versus the other places which are extremely expensive in asking maybe almost the triple of rent for artists so yes it is uh, a good approach to use um this abandoned uh, places which is a huge problem also in tokyo but it is also a problem of overcharging and commodifying um, that whole area so making saying okay people come and they buy and they pay for workshop but uh, the artists still um, don't get much of that profit and this other picture you have here is um quite interesting it's always stunning i mean just walking around what i always recommend walk around the city and you discover so many little things is um a typical laundry and then um yeah espresso shop next to it so it's um i don't want to say gentrification uh you know on woke but it is a kind of thing where you can say this is also a lifestyle thing so i think in Hama, hamamatsu in shizuoka you have laundry very fashionable laundry centers where people can meet so why don't you make it a bit bigger and uh, have people doing their homework there and have gakudo? So um, these ideas are great. How to connect community needs and um, yeah, uh, have people meet with each other. I mean, community spaces, whether indoor or outdoor, often people say, oh, where are the parks? But I think in in, in big cities in, in, in Japan, it is not about that, but it is really much about life was always spent um, outside you know in the community so the apartments have been small that is that is the kind of way of life and i hope that we can turn back to more community spaces which are affordable yes for artists who are providers but they are also consumers so we can't really uh, you know just milk the money out of them so i feel bad for if you look at cases like koenji or something that subculture is used as a yeah as a hij hijacked by developers to yeah just make it hip spaces and then they move on. So that's a big, big problem, I think, everywhere. Yeah, you you have a great uh, discussion 
in a lot of your writing and mm -hmm. your articles uh, talking about commodification. From the tourism perspective, do we commodify this part of Japanese mm -hmm. heritage? How do we find the balance for local people to have a better quality of life, to mm -hmm. get some income, but make it more enjoyable? One of the places you, you mentioned had some great uh, balancing effects in place in terms of policy. Mm -hmm. So, for example, they had park and ride or they had pedestrianized zones, mm -hmm. or they had certain infrastructure upgrades that the locals wanted. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was Kawagoe, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that it was, yeah. It's quite a while ago that I did Kawagoe, but this was when the boom of Asadora dramas on, on TV, um, you know, there was a huge influx of tourists. And I think that was just beginning of that 10 years, I mean, eight, 10 years of tourist boom before, uh, pre-pandemic and I think interesting is here that you can adjust to the local needs and that is very important to consider uh, because over touristification or um, you know just I mean this is also what happened of course in the aftermath that uh, many places have been totally overrun <laughs> in the last years by just too many tourists but then Kyoto has the problem now a similar problem that they try to um, I mean they try to use tourism as one of the sources of income but um, the question is of course how can you uh, then keep the balance yeah so like like I said before where can you say that's enough uh, you know Kabogo is the same thing we want to preserve that old houses which they have done fantastically but I think the problem then is also that the prices are going up and locals are pushed out and um, it is just about let's say tapioca tea and all that fashionable things so is that still original and um i think originality and of course co just copying that originality is a big problem everywhere so i mean just pretending that this is real or keeping a museum and open air museum alive uh, where people say i don't live there anymore i can't afford that anymore is a big of course worldwide problem so heritage um preserving heritage which i think is also a a totally unique approach in itself in Japan and how to really keep it up to to date you know I mean it's not about preserving the life 100 years ago but I think often as Alex Kerr says just bring it back to our modern times and make it usable make it attractive but don't keep it in a bubble and uh, Taurus obviously that's it, how it was but come on I mean we know that life they have to make a living and no not everybody goes to starbucks <laughs> they also need a tofu shop and all the local needs so if the elderly need benches and pedestrian areas and i think local affordable supermarkets for example then you should consider the needs of different people and implement them otherwise i think um, people just move out and you have a hollow area there i think it's what you see for example very vividly in tokyo that Maunuchi is um, is such a, you know, no, I mean, at night it's just empty because everybody, especially I think with Corona, working people uh, are, are going or leaving. And uh, everything else until the up to the horses which are, you know, passing by, this hasn't, I mean, this, this is just not, I mean, this is reintroduced as a tourist event, but that's not real, yeah? And even the brickstones are all new, so pretending that this is history, and yes, it it's important, but to, can, can we find other ways to keep memories alive instead of 
visible and physical attractions. I mean, make events, make community events, make workshops, uh, you know, acknowledge that wisdom in, in inviting people to take part. But I don't think it's always about that we have to have that museum or that heritage thing. So that, that balance is very difficult. I think Kavago has done well in preserving that small area, but the other area around is, I mean, it's, it's also affected by declining population. So, I mean, the need of having one attraction, yes, but uh, what problems does it solve? So it's really difficult to um, not just say, okay, tourism, we have tourism, we have income, but who is profiting from that? And if it's not the locals, let's say maybe just 20%, then um, I think that's a sad situation. You you talk about, and, and this is something um, you just mentioned as well, is having something with unique appeal, right? So mm -hmm. not just doing a cookie cutter approach for every town that has success. Okay, let's take that exact model and mm -hmm. try it in this town. Mm -hmm. but, but learning what your town has, which is a unique feature, and kind of capitalizing on that part to create like tourism buzz or to bring the television crews in and okay. cover that. Mm -hmm. And then that brings more people who want to eat that mm -hmm. unique dish or try that unique place or go to that unique house. Um, but talking to local people, finding out what they need getting that up to a certain higher quality of living mm -hmm. and finding ways for them to get income and making it a thriving village, not just a empty tourist town, I think is, is such an interesting and important discussion. Like you just said, how mm -hmm. many small villages do I visit? And I love the aesthetic, but no one is living there anymore. It is I mean, only a tourist town and it feels <laughs> hollow and empty. But if yeah. I visit somewhere that's not a typical tourist town, but people are living there, people are using the back alleys uh, to play or to hang their laundry, you have that immediate warmth feeling as even a visitor, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is like, um, I mean, I had the chance in, uh, uh, I think in February, we went to Yusuhara in Kochi Prefecture, where, I mean, question yourself, okay, who was there first is often the question. Is it the architect who, Kengo Kuma is the famous architect who designed a lot of buildings there. And what is that origin? And we talk to the locals, is what we always kind of do, finding the real, uh, whether they like it, uh, whether they're happy with it, do they use it? And they said, no, that was be way before Kengokuma was famous and he either was friend with the you know, mayor or anyway, he was recommended. And he was so young and I guess not famous at all, 1993 or something. And he was asked to design the first building there. And uh, yeah, then it took over to, um, I mean, a rich community, which is also the case of what conditions, preconditions do we have, but they promote their original wood, which is very rare and um, unique feature, like we said. And uh, the thing is, because of the library and the city hall and yes, the hotels which have been designed there, um, and not 10 hotels, but there, there are just two small hotels, and there have been a huge influx of young people and young families uh, who look for, I guess, 
just right, the right combination of there is a high school, there's a kindergarten, maybe even free, I guess. There is everything you need. You don't need a car. We, we can be sustainable. We can zero waste, whatever. And we can try out. Yeah. So nobody is, oh, no, we don't need that young people and rice farmers. No, we don't need modern technology. No, they are open. And of course, now you can say, okay, let's do that everywhere. It will not work. But um, here you have... Um, to talk also about disaster and resilience. I mean, a, a, a place which was growing over 30 years and at the right moment after the fall of the, uh, the bubble, uh, invested into something where everybody said, we don't have money, we can't invest. And they have a unique thing that they're independent of tourism. I mean, yes, there have been architectural tourists, but right then when we went, there was nobody. I mean, it's just like three couples taking pictures of that. And it will be, I think, demolished in September and then rebuilt. I'm not sure how big, but having the right size of facility and not so, like, um, I think Suloga, you have that case, Shigeru Ban's project, which has 350 rooms. And it's just so big that I think whatever flagship architecture, as we call it, there's a sauna, cultural hall, the city is empty. The city is empty. And let's say think tanks of Keo University and that uh, Sweden Terrace and that sauna project. Yeah, so what? that doesn't interest locals. So it is that, I mean, can I just say we fail? And that's also sustainable. So we shrink and basically this village will disappear eventually, which we, I think we should accept. We can't really keep everything alive. Or if we maintain our life, then uh, do we just have one leg as tourism? Or do we sustain by ourselves, as we know it from Detroit or other places, gardening and I don't know what, but make it make make free hoikens and have couples come there if they can work remote whatsoever but don't don't just copy and either do it by yourself or have an academic institution which is often also found in some local places or have yes have a very famous architect if you think that helps you but don't don't just cookie cutter uh, say that's the only approach and let's make that white big elephant and then we have a museum which we can't afford i mean this is what you often see you think wow a big, beautiful architecture, but meaningful. I mean, yeah, go. I think Go Hasegawa architect has done an Airbnb. I think, I think five years ago at the House Vision exhibition, which is then transferred somewhere to Nara Wakayama. I'm now not sure where that was. And now it's rented, so it's one single house, which is sustainable, kept by the local housewives, kid cooking, and this one. And Echigo Triennale, you have I think ten or fifteen houses. Um, yeah, don't blow it up. Keep keep a sustainable size because this is more resilient against, let's say, disaster. So I think um, size-wise, human scale, human interaction, and yeah, also getting through bad times without failing totally. That's, I think, this community support. I think it's what people don't consider, that how many stakeholders, how many people are involved. And if you don't discuss and consider then i think you're missing the point yeah combination i think a diversity and innovation creativity art uh bringing in young people with new ideas into traditional areas 
Um, it's all important to have this discussion, especially with the aging population in Japan, the decline of workers, right? You don't, you don't want to have these beautiful communities uh, full of only retired folk who aren't interested in catering to visitors because then no income will stay in the economy because nobody's selling anything or providing any services. So you need that balance of young people doing businesses with innovation and bringing new people in as well as the traditional tourists right i love this yeah. example here in west tokyo so mm -hmm. colorful and vibrant right next yeah. to traditional suburbs is that right exactly i mean koenji is a good example because koenji is um i think has been very subcultural and anti anti-movement since the 1960s but the city of course also discovered okay we can also commodify that so coming back to commodification if you put an art hotel where the artists design a room for people then of course you're you're making use of their service but the question is if you then have a mural and a museum and 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 uh, big festivals which of course fe are featured on tv whether that's a good thing for the community and yes they want to be another i don't know silicon valley or anyway famous for something but i think um Having just that tourists staying in that area, being able to, to pay rent, uh, having um, ateliers there, providing services to the community, I think that balance should be kept. So it's not just about manga and anime, popular culture. And um, yeah, climbing up to that, um, can you keep, keep that development somewhere? Or is it basically then going off that people say, okay, now there's a mansion coming and uh, it is already too late. And I think this is what you see uh, example in uh, Musashi Koyama and uh, this is also Tokyo this is a bit south south Tokyo where basically beautiful um drinking places uh, I mean small alleyways have been totally cut erased so I took pictures there before it just was erased a whole you know a whole corner of yakitori uh, tofu places where yes maybe more men drinks than women but even for women there might be more drinking places but um, now it is, yeah, Tower Mansion. I mean, this is just like uh, erased, artificial, nothing, nothing really there, which is, uh, let's say, catering to maybe just the open community, which, yeah, is not just, uh, let's say, the chain, chain of, uh, I don't know, burgers or something. So that is really problematic. And you have another example here. I think Kyojima maybe is is that really hopeful case. So I say Koenji, I really fear that this is just going. Uh, in a in a you know, negative direction, let's see. But Kyojima is uh, next to Higifune, which is um, northeast Tokyo, and it's surprisingly colorful. How the community very not accessible, very dense, no major. I mean, you have to walk to the station; it's two kilometer. But um, they said, "Look, we have this empty shop, so just let's rent them." New people are interested in, uh, let's say, tea shops and kendama shops and uh, people use it for gakudos to entertain the kids of the community and young people live there and uh, really really i think amazing how you can make exhibitions with local wisdom and local interest and uh, if that stays i mean that's the thing if nobody say, really says um let's develop that because there is no place i mean you would have to cut that down but there is no really big property there then this small scale community where basically people walk out in their pajamas and yes they are old and they walk just over to get some tofu but there is no you know the the kind of 
you know, hesitation level is not that high because that's how Stamachi and the back LA culture was. So, I mean, this is what you have in Kyoto and in Osaka and uh, yeah, the Ichibata Kaigi that people just talk to each other. They don't have any hesitation, but this is what I think young people really struggle. They struggle to just say hello and, you know, get together with people of all kinds of all kind of backgrounds, yeah? Uh, whether homeless or single mother and, uh, yeah, all kinds of things. And I think I have written, uh, I think last year, um, a chapter in a book about poverty in, in single. That is a huge problem because these invisible groups, minority groups, whatever uh, background they come from, they really struggle to be visible in a big city, especially in Tokyo when you compare that, because they have no place to go. The places will just always either demand you to uh, buy ice cream in the shopping mall, but where is that? Uh, yeah, you don't need anything to prove access for everybody, public spaces open for everybody. And the pops, as we know them, the pu privately owned public places uh, where nothing is allowed, so no soccer, no no sitting around, no drinking alcohol, are just increasing dramatically. And um, yeah, so kids are yeah either in school or in Juku. And what what kids yeah they are udusai, they are noisy, but that's normal life. And if you can't stand that, I think then something is really wrong. I wanted to ask you, how mm. do you choose? where to do your research because you have mm -hmm. so many interesting areas that you bring up for example you did a big um, map here five different areas kind of outside of mm -hmm. central tokyo or in pockets of tokyo how mm -hmm. do you find the areas that you want to study that's that's often a, as you know researchers I think uh, when I really started my first research project in 2007, I started to live in Yanaka, which is famous for its uh, Machizukuri approach. So the uh, the leader, there's also there are academic people, but there's also, of course, Mori Mayumi at the time, local newspaper. It was famous, it was recommended, but anyway, it was famous for its Machizukuri approach. I think 1991, they started to say, okay, young mothers are, uh, they need our support here. They are all there, so let's get together. And they all got together on the street and they played with their kids. And as they got older, they, of course, there was more demand for, you know, other things which the community needed. And they have been always active in publishing their results. Amazing. So why is there Matizukuri um, succeeding if others have the same choice? And this is maybe uh, for the non-urban planner. This is a, always a question which comes back. How is it possible that everything is so centralized and the same? It's not. So since the 1980s, communities have the choice of uh, district planning law to say, okay, here we have something to preserve or we have we have an, a reason to follow a different approach. So let's do that. And if locals decide, of course, you need knowledge, but you have craftsmen as well as academic who are really volunteering to um, improve, preserve whatsoever. Yeah, so preserve knowledge. Um, then these people get together and... Um, of course, then the question is, um, does it go, you know, over to the next generation automatically? Not. I know that uh, Yanaka is, is also, in my understanding, just have been over to touristified in the last years. I don't know, currently, because Corona obviously has stopped that development, but it was so fashionable with 
uh, vernacular ryokans, which kind of want to pretend it's all open, yes, and we all speak English, and we include your onsen visit in, in the tour, and yes, nice, but a bit over over the top represented as the only thing, and I think so many other places have the same appeal. So why just focus on one place and pr just promote that as a ultimum of your visit? So, I mean, we have Asaksa, which has a, a very strong uh, traditional approach, but you have so many Ilya around the corner that I think uh, it is not just there where they speak English and uh, it doesn't matter whether you speak Japanese, but please don't just go to that hip and architecture aesthetic places, but really, really run down or let's say just very normally chaotic uh it's, it's known as Afure Dashi, the overflow of uh, public, private, you know, objects into it. And that is in a, a, a chaos, some people say it, but it is also the charm of things. So I think Yanaka, it became cleaned up, kind of cleaned up, I think. Anyway, well organized, what is okay, what is not okay, too many rules for my liking. But there are still enough areas nearby who could follow that say and that say we want to preserve our local machizukuri um matsuri whatsoever because you see for example the case of kagurazaka which is really downtown tokyo they had a very strong movement in the i think 80s to um preserve um that street and not allow cars to enter that street and have i think every day uh, from 12 o'clock Anyway, on the weekends, they are closed for traffic. But then um, I said, so what's the next project? Yep, actually, we're done. <laughs> so what else is there to, has, to, has, has to be done? And they have lost that stamina to fight for um, other things. Uh, for example, there was a huge tower um, constructed. Uh, the land was owned by the local temple, and they basically have sold it to the developer. So if, if there is no discussion of we need this and yes you should also listen to our needs and yes um, seeing money as that huge advantage uh, i think then this is a sad story i mean this is like prices are incredibly high uh, there's is a typical i would say expert paradise that you see is always people think people live there but in the kind of um, you know proportion you see that not so many people live there they just want to live nearby because it's so famous so uh, attraction of a landmark and um, yes who then ha can afford it and local shops are replaced by chains and uh, 100 yen stores and I think who is really willing then to voice their concerns uh, the absence of community and the non-participation versus of course people who really argue and say this is our wish and um, I think we have Kotoku there um, also this is not on the picture but this is a bit south of Hikifuna which basically has at least when uh, when the movement started asked people so what should we do with our local warehouses uh, who wants to use them so galleries moved in but then of course you had that huge coffee boom in the i think the last 10 years blue co coffee uh, you know is, is the most famous and yes they use all houses but the question is okay i have 600 700 yen for a flat white but it's very much elite, I would say. I don't see many locals going there. And the most people you see taking pictures there are coming from very far, Taiwan, <laughs> China. As if say, and at that time, I was like, really, okay, really locals like this? And yes, then you have that um, kind of, you know, front, 
front facade and in the back you have local people doing the same but in a much more niche hidden perspective uh, locals bakeries who say yes we are not so famous we can't afford that big uh, heritage uh, renovation project but we still uh, have an advantage so yes some people say it's not good it just brings you know prices up but it also brought new young people into that area uh, craftsmanship entrepreneurship innovation and it's amazing i mean this is like to see yoga studios and bicycle and craft beer and even a winery even a, recently that i hear that a winery opened and i'm just like okay winery in tokyo that's a new thing to me so of course um uh, who can afford it who has their salary uh, but i think it shows if i live in tokyo and i'm allowed to enjoy i mean even then uh, this is an income which stays in a community why not so i think rural places might not have all that options but i think they still can uh, go a route which i think that was in ishinomaki now that they said okay how to use that rural fields uh, farmers can't uh, preserve so they started to plant olive trees and uh, people say how can it be possible it's too cold no it's not too cold so they have gotten the innovation and knowledge from i think shodoshima and they are at a very good target i think last year i don't know last year but the year before it's incredibly increasing and why not have local olive oil and uh, if that stays in the community i think that's a fantastic thing so there is innovation Fantastic. Um, mm. I love the idea of preservation of a community's aesthetic. And I know as an architect, you must have a strong feeling about this as well. But if mm -hmm. I visit um, the central Kurashiki area of Okayama, for example, or uh, back street areas in some of these suburbs, like traditional suburbs in Tokyo, uh, like this one, the Ichibangi Bangai street area, mm -hmm. you have people who take over the old buildings and under rules or policies remodel in the traditional sense, but make a modern comfortable home. But when the visitor or the local walks down, they still have that heritage atmosphere and i i think that's so important to preserve you must see this in many examples around oh yes that was but maybe that is thanks to a professor i had at university who was teaching preservation i mean as it was uh, i found this the most amazing it's easy to start from nothing but if you have something and i think there was a one-year course where we really had to find solutions anyway also analyze existing projects but find solutions of how to uh, incorporate existing um you know meaning but also the building so and of course you can put something on top as you often see at kabuki uh, theater in um i think in tokyo but you can also just add a tiny bit of an extension which is respecting that old or you're using that inner structure and build a new roof to protect it but you still have a house in a house and i think that was amazing to see how much you can do and we're talking about sustainability and now we have a huge uh, i think we had a huge discussion yeah now we are new, now doing a new project um starting in september of how reusing uh, we call them uh, material collector in german i don't know whether that is, exists in, in english or japanese but basically preserving old beams uh, preserving old tatami brick stones whatever you have if that is an um, earthquake of course resistant in you know, earthquake resistant structure edit then you can um i think have an amazing result and this kind of 
um, you know, kind of how would you call that patchwork you re receive there is amazing. I mean, I'm not practicing anymore, but I always, um, I mean, we have a, we have a, a you know a local thing. We always travel to places and discover new places. Where I said it's an amazing concept and a local store, a museum, uh, yeah, whatever their concept is, is, is really really interesting. And even here in Tokyo, uh, people always said, well, "How do you discover this?" Yeah, we we, we just walk around, run around, <laughs> uh, cycle, and by car. But it is if you look into it, there is so much you can use. Without, uh, I mean, that throwaway society is just the way setting in Japan. And we know that this came since the 50s, but the Motainai culture from Edo had that really, um, that clay, clay walls, and you can, you know, basically use again clay to, uh, you know, plaster them and use the windows inside. And yes, you can add air condition and you can add new flooring. But it is very important to say that. Um, of course, if you can't finance it, um, how can you support it? And there are more and more, and this is maybe the most important thing, young architects who go to Europe, especially I think Germany seems to be a good trend, and come back and really provide their knowledge. I think Molly, there's one architect, Molly Yumi, I, I, I forgot her, but she is really good. Also zero waste, passive houses, uh, solar technology, which has been a major when I was there, I mean, 25 years when I was really graduating, uh, that was our major. So now, 25 years later, I think that should be affordable to so many people. So um, having that knowledge and practice, and also that I see there are a lot of Facebook groups which share, here I have to give away of that roof tiles, and why don't we um, create this kind of lending and you know recycling and yeah giving it away. So I think this is very important. And uh, I think for Japanese, uh, let's say, mass community, mass society, I still miss that that you can lend something, you don't always have to buy everything new. So why not give away food which uh, you can't eat? And why not have, yeah, uh, you know, that helping each other. And I think I, I hear a lot of movement of next door. You have no chance to, to get together, but maybe just ring the bell and ask for your neighbor for some eggs or something. And uh, you will realize that you have much more things in common. So. I think that is a kind of hesitation. Um, I can't, um, I, I should do it by myself. I have to come on. And I don't really like it because I think Edoko, that was not like this. I think people really had to help each other. They relied on each other. Hasukashi being shy, no need. I think especially pandemic wise and salary wise and also who's watching my kids. Uh, yeah, you need the community. And uh, if community is just artificially produced and let's say on paper existing but in reality uh, people think oh it's either too mentoxide too too demanding young people don't want to be rigidly told by the shooting guy how they have to cooperate but so who is whose mistake or who, where, where to start i think both have to adjust both sides young kids or young people should learn from early on it's great to help in the community it's it's a fantastic experience but um the existing rules uh, set by shooting guys, shunai guys, whatsoever, also need a fresh breath of life to to say, okay, our, uh, I think that was in Tokyo last year, we had the um, research, that our members suffered the most and they don't know who to ask and they are lonely and Corona, they, they are so scared and then uh, there are people using that even to get their money. So 
don't you think it's necessary to provide some kind of support? And that's the thing, yeah? You are able to walk, but if... And then the that is, is that is yeah. the value of yeah. the traditional roji, mm. right? The traditional yes. alleyway, which yeah. you have written a book about, you've done so much research on. Um, I love some of the quotes about the urban commons. Can you <laughs> can you talk about urban commons and the oh, yeah. the alleyway feel or communication and heritage a little bit? Uh huh. So I think. I mean, maybe introducing that concept of urban commons is uh, for some people, uh, they might know urban gardening and people often think urban common means so everybody has a piece of land and they have the right to harvest as much as they want. But that's, yes, it's known as that, but it's not just that. So basically it is about a empty plot or anyway, land which is available, not owned by anybody and everybody has the right to come. But uh, I often explain to the students that it's not... A sub substantive it's not a thing it is something you do it is urban commoning if you don't do it it means it will not exist so go there uh, collect the rubbish uh, do the harvesting of the vegetables set a basket in front of your house if you have too many uh, lemons and other things and really do that act of kindness and friendliness and i think the loji had headset there is no i mean I, I sometimes thought, can I enter? But even when once you enter, people are so happy to talk about their pot plants and about their animals and about their life that you think like, okay, uh, these people have a huge need of to open up. And there is no, I mean, yeah, there is no bound. I mean, there's no, no, no difference between us, whether language-wise or so whenever I conducted my research, I think most people have been most happy to talk about their life. And they open their photo albums and their life stories. And that's the thing when you go back to it. I think it would be great if I can do this again. But this is what I do every year with students to just go back to the places and revisit. But it's amazing that these people also, of course, um, remember you. And they appreciate that you also, of course, talk about them. So talking about that maybe smallest member of community and making that roji community. And uh, I often ask people, so is it really that you want to live there and want to preserve that physical thing? And often people say, no, it's nice to visit, but I don't want to live there. But I think it is something, whether it is a roji or not, you can recreate it in all kinds of form, indoor, outdoor, in a community building, in an elderly care, in a hoikuen. But that feeling of um, having uh, having covered different demands where you don't really have to pay much insurance money, no, 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 not many fees, but provide your service and uh, the gratefulness come back, comes back to you. Yeah, It's kind of bring what you have and, um, you know, not a flu market, but I think just a place where everything is possible. And I think this is what I think that Stamachi was a lot about, that uh, it doesn't really matter if you bring something, bring yourself, but be there and uh, take part, open your heart and tell your story if you want. But uh, I think this warm feeling, this is what many people miss. And out of sadness, they, I don't know, prefer shopping or something nowadays. It's that it's community, the community yeah. dynamic, right? It's yes. like it's yes. like if you live in a small neighborhood in Japan and passing mm. around the koban, is it? The, the community board and everybody shares in cleaning day. Um, I love this quote that you have from... Mm -hmm your article uh, talking about one of the community members who appreciates uh, living mm -hmm. there. 
-hmm. I prefer to walk the alleys in the morning when everything is empty and quiet and reminds me of my childhood days. Everything mm -hmm. got so noisy that I long for a moment where I can just hide from my busy daily life. During the last few years, many old neighbors have died or moved away. And even if only close friends, I miss the spirit of the old community and don't understand the need for good communication between neighbors. They often pass by without saying a word. So talking about the losing that community heritage of the backstreet alleyways. And I mm -hmm. found that so powerful and so telling mm -hmm. for yeah. how culture is changing but it's it's definitely important to hold on to these cultural aspects right yeah i mean this was i still remember her that was a flower shop lady and it was not about selling flowers it was about drinking a tea with her and listening to what she had to say or basically just maybe say nothing and just take a break and it was like a jungle so it you know she inherited the house from her father And it was not about making profit. Yeah, I looked fancy and always people thought, wow, that's amazing. But it's just out of clutter and being not really visible and having her own bubble and paradise. And yes, walking then the back streets and we walked it together. That's what we often do. So we have first the interview and then we walk together. And this is amazing how people basically from very, um, okay, I can't tell you the real truth. I can't tell you how I really feel. But eventually you just say, see them, oh, my heart and my feelings and this is the local onigiri shop and this guy sells my rice and yes i mean that is amazing so i think having that kind of local wisdom you can't really see when you arrive but you you uh, get to know the kind of rhythm of our life um, in the morning and this is what i always try also to teach that uh, understanding a place from the architecture perspective is not just drawing it or knowing how it looks but it is really the reason day night week a festival quiet and uh, understanding the difference and uh, yes also making sure that this is also kept alive so uh, if everything just becomes monoculture monofunctional then i think uh, like you said the diversity is really going to die out and um i think that was amos rapaport who said it's maybe good to walk a street very fast but if there are no turns and twists you will be soon very bored. Yeah? So you have to keep that attention span and that fascination, which I think kids still have, alive in designing something playful, unexpected, and leaving place for possibilities. Definitely. I, I love what, what you just said about uh, turning the corner and, and finding something interesting. I mm -hmm. think this is so important. And, and what we talked about before, don't use the generic, this worked in this place, so let's try it in our town. Mm -hmm. Find something unique for your area. I think it's so important. Um, talking about the Rodi conclusion that you had from your research, I'd love mm -hmm. to read this. It's so mm -hmm. interesting. And let me see if I can bring it up on screen bigger here. Uh, so everybody can see it. 
the doji as an integral part of everyday urban life looks set to disappear from the urban landscape of Tokyo, leaving traces of the past to be covered by new modern urban developments, standing for the ongoing destruction and reconstruction of Tokyo and other places in the 21st century. Nevertheless, it continues to exist as imaginary and in this sense continues to have a shared or social presence, being in the sense a mental space. The alleyway forms a boundary between the past and the present and an alternative landscape of reminiscence. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, that's, you know, the thing is we have done, um, so this is quite a while ago, but that's the kind of essence I still think, uh, you know, is important when we did this project, uh, we did a project um, in seven countries with different people who are, uh, have have done LOA research. And I, I, I was uh, luckily or unluckily the only one who compared two cases, Seoul and uh, Tokyo. And it is even more um, global pressure, gentrification, commodification, that creative policy uh, approach, we have to be uh, competitive with other global cities. And I went to, uh, uh, you know, you know, some areas, I was lucky to go to some areas that you say, yes, Tokyo, it is maybe not as hard yet, not as, um, you know, you know, I think society is still very, very friendly in some ways. So there's a good chance to keep that. But there people have been really, really, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of culture, how you, you cope with that. And this kind of success versus failure and you are not succeeding so you are out of this i was quite shocked that in insadong in seoul for example this is a hard thing that you are almost forced out i mean this is like even so you might be successful after two years independent shops uh, are not wanted anymore because they, they know they can have more money if they have a fancy um, generic shop which is basically offering the same so the the brush maker the calligraphy teacher young professionals are really forced out because yes you could afford it but it is not um you know the branding of it how to brand it is as old already this is what you see sometimes in shopping malls in japan but uh, we need something new so after that tabioka trend or after that trend we need that new trend and i'm not sure why and there was a small i mean alternative uh, shopping uh, center which had just local arts artists that i thought this is still good so there's a i mean you can have both but why do you have to kick out some to then have a i mean a artificial building look at harajuku station this is just the worst yeah we have another copy of what they say why can we not preserve that old building and have that uh, as a i don't know as a monument for all times no we have to demolish it and that's that's so sad that now you have a cafe roastery there which is yes it's luckily maybe not a starbucks but i just think but for me it looks the same it is just that okay let's be a bit local looking we are not as local i mean starbucks often ask kangakuma but i don't think that that helps me. I mean, it's fake for the people who say, oh, it looks good. It's local. No, it's not local. So that makes me sad that um, why it has to be so, so generic, a concept which you see everywhere else. I don't want to go there. I mean, for me, it's something I go there once and it's nothing. I mean, even the owners are not 
I mean, they are not the owners. The people who work there change every three months because, you know, they are just students. So I, I feel like um, you can, for example, and this is what uh, has been successful, I think, in the post office west of the station, Tokyo Station, you can preserve buildings and you, they can also have a new purpose if you just allow that a church, for example, in Europe, you often have a church, can become a bouldering place. And temples also in, in Japan can become, I don't know what, uh, hotels, ryokans, it don't has to be exactly that what it was uh, 50 years ago if it's now empty. So just use it. And But I think for communities, especially rural communities, they're often left alone. They, they are not, um, I mean, this is really, the government is like, yeah, here, uh, get money for more concrete, but they are not offered any alternatives. And I think that's exactly what you need. Local leadership also stepping up and saying i would do this yeah and then of course people saying okay he's 40 doesn't matter or she's 40 uh let's try it there's nothing we can lose and i think trusting um yes change will happen anyway but you can have a good change if you um try something maybe this kind of unknown route and i think that's what most people are scared of i think japanese prefer to know what will happen ahead of them and i think uh, young people, especially when you ask them at university, so what you're doing now, you're a salary man or whatever, but they soon realize that this is, might be not what makes them happy. And if it's about happiness and not just money, they might look for alternatives, going uh, local, locally, getting uh, getting into farming. I don't know what, but there is no, uh, again, no concept for that. There's uh, just try out and take a risk. And most people are very happy once they you know, take the risk. And I think, I mean, nothing in life is just coming up to you or you have to search for it, I think. Yeah. That that whole concept of, of balancing the young needs or the trends and mm -hmm. the old tradition and the heritage, mm -hmm. it seems like it can be and it has been done at the same time in certain areas of Japan. So for example, you have the sky tree, the mm. new attraction surrounded by very traditional old uh, areas. So you've got mm. the new shops, the big mass tourism going to sky tree, but mm. you also have some money trickling down into the local heritage historical mm. areas, mm -hmm. because if people are interested in both, which we have a lot of tourists who like both. Um, they can give some money to that local economy. The big attraction also feeds money into the local economy. A lot of mass tourists will just go to Skytree and go out, and that's fine too. So to have this kind of diversity of attraction for mm -hmm. mass tourists or more meaningful, sustainable, travel-seeking tourists, mm -hmm. It's a really nice example of how you might be able to do both. But it, it, have you seen examples of this in other areas of Japan? Um, I think there's always, I mean, uh, for example, Kyoto is quite famous for that. Uh, Dematsuyanagi is a very interesting place. Uh, I lived there when I studied Japanese. And I think there is this whole uh, attraction of Kyoto and the Gosho and all that. But you have local places and they even have, I mean, we lived in a, in a you know very local place and 
they they have the kebab and the Spanish inspired tapas bar run by a Japanese pro, uh, photographer. So I think, um, but this was interesting because at that time there was no social media. So of course they had a uh, kuchikomi physically. But nowadays I see, and this is what I really hope uh, going to. Uh, grow a lot is that if somebody is is um i recently followed somebody opening a, a french fried store but anyway very very passionate very belgium uh, perspective and if you open an account on instagram and have 400 subscribed subscribers before you open um wow so i'm just like and there are no tourists yet so i'm just maybe that is the chance in pandemic times uh, opening up or even a farm opening a restaurant and they have the farm outside of Tokyo and they are opening up and it, you could say, let's postpone, let's give up. No. And, and people come and there is that thirst of new and uh, meeting again. And yes, and the online was the only way for, I think, almost a year now. It's still for some people the only thing. And I'm happy to see that diversity spreading. And we, I mean, I donate. I, I mean, that's the thing. I don't, I'm, I think that, searching for the local routes and yes amazon is maybe still the main provider but why not have both as you say at the same time but i more and more went out to say okay where is that fabric from where uh, where do i get my farmer's products from so i i get it sent every week and i'm happy it makes me happy i can't leave the house but you know that local grown food which has still the dirt it's yeah i think what kept you alive over time and, and, and the money kept them alive so i think that transnational uh, and yes, money for, you know, academic or anyway, who can afford it. But I think we are good examples. So other people follow the route that you can make your own vinegar. Uh, why not? So is it something you teach the others? But you also help a community, a digital community, which I think is very, very strong. And 10 years ago, I didn't really saw that. But I think also in Kyoto nowadays, for some people, survival next to that master original. I think they suffer the most now because how how do you cover it if if you have a huge facility which is 50-70% empty or small which suffers but they can sell online and have takeout and have Kickstarter events and donating, I don't know, uh, something for special days. And I'm amazed at the innovation plus also trends which we especially see in, uh, in Germany and I really miss that. Uh, non-packaged supermarket, uh, uh, zero waste collectors, and now we have oat milk in bottles. Yeah, so this is something <laughs> everybody starts to drink that oat milk as vegan option, better for the planet. But how about the packaging? So it's amazing. And I guess um, it's, I mean, it's a huge thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see innovation sprouting and blooming in the smallest corners, in the most dirty places, next to, yes, very mo monofunctional generic um, shopping malls. And they coexist, why not? You know, who was their first? I think that doesn't matter. Wonderful. Uh, we have only a few more minutes. Um, what other have we touched on? I think we've touched on about as much as we could mm -hmm. uh, this time. We've got so much more we could talk about. Um, I love all of your concepts of uh, the balance of talking to locals, finding out what they need, um, investigating new areas, new pockets of Tokyo and researching what's happening there. Have you been interested in any other areas uh, in your research now or do you want to um, talk about, yeah? Yeah, 
uh, it's a moment I do a lot in uh, um, Yokohama, Kuganicho, Sakuragicho, but this is uh, a very interesting project because we are looking at 100 years of 1923, the earthquake, huge impact on Yokohama, and the now the last 20 years of creative clusters. So this is a kind of uh, former sex area, prostitution area has been erased, cleaned up, and artists have been implanted, and that was successful. But it's a top-down thing, which I think locals have never really been happy about. So now you see that fading out and they don't receive more money. And now the question is, um, Minato Mirai on that other side is that blinking harbor front, huge development, even with a high line. And now I think a cable car, I have visited cable car, which just opened, I think, three weeks ago. But really, really, um, that two futures and anyway, destinies of... Uh, Two neighborhoods very close to just one station, Sakuragicho being the original uh, yeah, station uh, of, of that city, which has a huge impact of uh, how uh, Japan changed over time. So, I mean, this is like everybody's Tokyo, Tokyo, but that little sister, as I always call it, is a bit, there is no single book which is not just saying covering a bit of that creative part and creative policy and creative city as, wow, this is what we have to do. No, not just that, but is that the only approach? And how do you balance the needs of people who really need that uh, support? And people who suffer and the locals, they suffer. And the artists, they also suffer because they're isolated. Now there is nothing really going on. So I'm conducting now my interviews. And uh, that will be uh, done, I think, by September. And then I'm going to um, to publish this, I guess, end of next year then. But this is a, uh, is a fight of two, two neighbors but being totally different. And I think this is the most contrasting or conflicting place I have been involved in that much agree and also share. I mean, there are many good things, but the city pushing um, that front, but forgetting the, the backside. So uh, that's very close to each other. And I think these are two new areas that I've been involved now since six, seven years. And we do rural projects. We do rural projects too. Uh, Tsuloka will be the next one on rural creativity. We have creative industries, but we have so many more. So it's, I think um, we have new projects also now in downtown Stamachi with uh, a design workshop uh, by the a German university, which is just going to start. So, which are two German architects running a local gallery and practice. So I'm amazed that they are asked by the community to reform empty houses. Amazing. So local events connected us. And I think that's the kind of, core uh, young, I mean, I don't want to say that, but I already feel like uh, being established is one thing, but I don't want to be established. I, I want to be inspired by new innovation and young people. So I think I really can learn from them. That's yeah. uh, what I really search for. That curiosity is sparking new interests every time. That's so wonderful. And Yokohama definitely is such an interesting place to study. Like you said, mm -hmm. the old uh, kind of... Uh, red light district changing but also mm -hmm. you have the chinatown area you have the old red brick uh port buildings which have been renovated into modern shops and restaurants yeah. you have the big modern shopping center mm -hmm. you have the parks you know really interesting diversity of attractions and and uses in the yokohama area i'm mm -hmm. looking forward to your research i loved it 
exciting. Yeah, but it's <laughs> really represent the Japanese history. I mean, they are kind of underrepresented. So that will be, I think it's a fascinating read for hopefully Japanese too. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to our next discussion、um, because there is so much that we couldn't talk about today and so many more articles and books that I, I need to dive into. And then I'd love to invite you back again. Thank you so much, Heidi. Thank you very much for the invitation. And I love the discussion. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Thank you so much.、Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining. Thank you for the comments. And、uh, people said it was a great discussion. Thank you from a designer in Hiroshima who was in the series. Wonderful.、Uh, HAPS team, thank you so much for the awards. Great discussion. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks, thank you.、Heidi. Thank you. See you、bye. soon. Thanks for joining today. What was Why don't you write a question or comment below and I'll reply, or I'll get the guest to reply as well.、Um, if you liked this video, please think about sharing it, liking, subscribe, comment, join to support the series. I really appreciate your support and your enthusiasm for seeking sustainability wherever you live. And I really hope that this talk show series can give you new ideas, new insights about innovation and different topics which are connected in some way to creating a better quality of life for people, better quality of environment, and Getting enough income and still supporting the economy. I always appreciate the comments and questions, so if you have anything to say, make sure you write it below. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day. Take care.